Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us. Out of the gates, final hour, Friday edition. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Crew is all here. Fantastic job by the staff behind the scenes. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine, flat out getting it done, and VolQuest does the same. We're going to get into some NFL playoff discussion and uh, chat about some under-the-radar players who have the chance to become household names with a playoff run on their certain teams. That's coming up in 20 minutes. Right now, we say hello to Austin Price of VolQuest.com, and they'll let us know as well if Brent is there momentarily. Austin and Brent and the entire staff at VolQuest cover Tennessee football and Tennessee athletics uh, better than anyone, and we're fortunate to have them on weekly. Austin, hope you're doing well. The Christmas tree's down. It is down. You're exactly right. It was down um, last time. It was. It was. It was. Well, I, I thought he just changed the camera angle what ha- last oh, time. Oh, yeah. What happened? I mean, what what's going on? You're Scrooge now? <laughs> no. No. Just... Uh, I got my master's green on, boys. We got about 100 days. There we go. (laughs) There we go. We've turned the calendar to master season now for the Christmas season. I thought, you know, you could just put some master's ornaments on the tree and combine the two holidays. I had the chat today, Austin, about maybe going to a practice round. Maybe I'll see you there. Maybe I'll pour some ice on the ground in memory of Paul. Oh, God. Don't do that. Let's tell that story briefly for the new uh, (laughs) listeners and audience of Outkick 360. So, uh, we met Austin, um, and we'd certainly known him through the show, but we met Austin uh, at Augusta during a practice round, and Paul comes up, and you have a glass of ice, and you pour it. Uh, I was finishing a, a, a rare non-beer. Right, and you, you pour the rest of the ice on the ground. I, I spit it out of my mouth, Oh, actually, that's right. You spit the ice worse. on the ground. And then I was like, oh, am I allowed to do that? And Austin, <laughs> you, like you, you were kicking a, it around You were appalled. Foot. You were about to turn Paul in. Yeah, Austin was going to call the Augusta police on me. Like, that's like the... the I, I do not remember any of that. If I did, it was a joke. Um, I mean, I, I remember the ice on the ground, but I don't think I was ever really serious. Now, trash, that's why they make all the, the sandwich baggies green. That way, if one gets stray with wind or whatever, it all blends in. It melted pretty quickly, I think. I moved it around with my foot. Yeah, I think uh, I was you get Uncle the guy to you did on and it. immediately regretted doing <laughs> yeah. it. You put in the pine straw. Yeah. area on the side You're like, i don't know if i should be doing that i was that, gonna get uncle guy who tried to ruin the day <laughs> later to come breathe on it to melt it quicker hey austin just when you look at the national championship game being alabama and georgia how bad is that for tennessee when you see tennessee and auburn as the only two programs who must play those two teams annually every single year was that a bad night for tennessee <laughs> yeah for tennessee fans yes um, for Tennessee, it, I mean, no, it just is what it is. I mean, you know, it, it, there's, n- there's nothing they can do about it. It just so happens that the best two teams in college football uh, are on their schedule. It just means, you know, if you could ever, you can never climb it, you've, you've done something. So, um, you know, that's what, that's what makes the 2016 season when Tennessee beat Florida and Georgia and didn't get to Atlanta, you know, sting, so much, uh, you know, I think that, you know, you, you just have those few opportunities to get past those teams. Uh, Alabama, you've not beaten quite a while. 
and um, since 2006. And so, you know, it, it, you almost chalk them up as a loss at this point until you prove you can beat them. And so, you know, you've got to get past the rest. Well, now Georgia's ascended to be every, uh, every bit they're equal as far as, you know, year in, year out um, play. And so, you know, this is uh, one of those things where, you know, there's nothing Josh Heupel and company can do about it. They just got to, you know, put their you know nose down, go to work, and then take care of the teams they're supposed to beat. But let's say, let's, let's call it what it is. Tennessee's beaten Florida one time in 15 years. They've got to learn to beat the Gators, which are a program that is down before they can start beating teams like Georgia and Alabama. Well, and just to make matters worse, Tennessee will face the last three national champions over the course of a month time frame, starting like yeah. October 8th and ending on November 5th. They're going to face LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. And while the Tigers of LSU are not – what they were with Burrow, that game is in Baton Rouge, and two of those three games are on the road. Yeah, and, and you know, by that point in the season, you would think Brian Kelly would have his team playing more cohesive. Uh, the whole new coach um, mantra will, to me, be out the window at that point because you played season. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, Tennessee's got to, you know – pick their spots next year. That game at LSU will be tough. The game against Pittsburgh, uh, you know, is probably tougher than maybe they thought, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. But then even then, they got a new coordinator. They got a new quarterback. You're getting them early. You've got all the experience on your side. Um, this still comes down to, to making plays on both sides of the ball. And Tennessee's got a lot of returning players that can, that can get that done. Um, and then, you know, what's the matchup of Florida? If Tennessee loses, let's say Tennessee loses to LSU, um, and lose to Alabama and Georgia, but then wins the rest and goes nine and three. I think Tennessee fans would be plenty happy with that. And if they're not, then you know I don't know what to tell them. I mean, that's that's a, a nice progress in year two because you beat a team in Florida, uh, you know, for the first time since sixteen and only the second time, um, you know, in since two thousand four. And then you know you you beaten Pittsburgh on the road. So uh, this is a sign of the times that we're in right now. Uh, Isaiah Nayor is the top-rated receiver in the transfer portal for anyone out there from Wyoming. Really good player. Commits to Tennessee publicly, on social media, everywhere else. I'm sure an NIL deal is a part of this at Tennessee. Uh, And on his way to his official visit in Knoxville, he stops off in Oxford, Mississippi and visits with Lane Kiffin uh, on his way to Knoxville this weekend. Is he committed to Tennessee right now still? Was that just a, a negotiation meeting? to see if he could get more in NIL before going to Tennessee to up the stakes there? What, what, what's going on with a guy who committed publicly but then took a visit on his way in? Well, I, I think Tennessee's still trying to figure all that out. He's in Knoxville right now. He'll be here through Sunday. And, um, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, Tennessee still is the team to beat here. I, I just have a tough time believing that, a place with a returning quarterback with a stable offensive coordinator and a head coach that's a, an offensive guy, um, you know, uh, is going to lose out to somebody who, you know, has a brand-new coordinator who's not even on scene yet, doesn't have a quarterback at this point. Um, you know, it just – when you start, you know, checking boxes, you know, Tennessee makes the most sense. Now, NIL is where things do get, you know, you know more iffy. You know, I mean, kids – Kids don't necessarily think about quarterback and coordinator and things that actually pertain to, you know, them getting the ball, you know, between the white lines when, you know, you start inter- inter- injecting money into things. So, 
you know, it, it's the new age of college football. Uh, I still think Tennessee's the team to beat here. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, you can't discount the uh, swing by Oxford. Are there other players to watch right now in the transfer portal? I know you talked about positions before, Austin, that Tennessee needs to target. I know one of them's offensive tackle. Is there possibly a player uh, playing in the SEC here in Nashville for Vanderbilt that Tennessee may may bring on campus? Yeah, Tennessee's going to take a, a, a big swing at Tyler Steen, the tackle from Vanderbilt who went in the transfer portal, uh, and see if they can land him. Um, you know, this is something where I think Tennessee has, has been in talks with him, especially in the last 24 hours or so, uh, working to try to get him to come over for a visit. And uh, we'll see if uh, he makes his way east on I-40. How crazy is the overall transfer portal right now compared to wild. last year? It's wild. I mean, when you inject NIL into everything, it, it really becomes, you know, a thrill a minute. And, you know, there's tampering going on all over college football. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of these kids, when they go in the portal, they already know where they're going because, you know, players at school X contact them and say, hey, we really need a linebacker. You know, would you come here? And they get the deal worked out. I mean, like, it's, how, do you, how, do you, how do you stop that? You, can't, you will tell a 20-year-old kid that he can't talk to another 20-year-old at you know, another school? I mean – just kind of is what it is. Coaches are smart enough to use the their current their current roster to, you know, see put fillers out there and see what's going on. So you know, it, it's 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 a thrill a minute. It's wild. And you inject an IL in it, it make, becomes even more crazy. And uh, you know, I'm interested to see how it all pans out. You got Jimbo Fisher, who obviously had the number one class in the country this year, and is, is and had a really nice class. Everyone's pointing nil towards it. Um, you know. Probably makes a lot of sense. He, he's an advocate for continuing down the road of NIL and no legislation and this and that. You got Kirby and Nick screaming at the top of their lungs, it's not fair, it's not fair. And um, we'll be interested to see how the, the dominoes fall this offseason. Is there anybody pressing for any real policing of that tampering um, who's not seen as, as some kind of whiner who's losing out in it? No, I mean, you know, I think everybody just acknowledges that it kind of is what it is. I mean, again, how do you how do you stop, you know, kids that naturally have known each other through recruiting camps or or high school ball or whatever else for years from contacting each other? You know, I mean, schools can be totally clean in this deal and and you know, get it across the finish line before a kid goes in the portal, you know, and then when he goes in the portal, boom, kids already off to School X. Uh, on a scale of zero to Texas A&M in terms of mastering NIL money and how to attract recruits, and I'm not saying that to say they're doing anything illegal. They've clearly worked out a system that works, having a record number of five stars come into one class. Where does Tennessee rank in the SEC of how Tennessee businesses, donors, everyone else is using NIL to attract players and keep players? You know, I mean, I, I, obviously, I think Texas A&M is probably at the top of the league. Um, I don't think Tennessee's at the bottom of the league. Um, somewhere middle to upper tier is where I would kind of put them right now. Um, you know, again, I, I think you're still in the infancy stages for a lot of schools. 
um, as, as they continue to kind of see this thing evolve and 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 how think how things kind of shape and shift. You know, I think you know every school saw that. You know, when you got to really November, the NIL landscape really sh- you know shifted you know pretty hard in a lot of ways for schools. And so you know, as we all know, it's technically illegal um, to do you know any kind of deal with a school, but we all know how that's working with third parties and outside. Um, you know, resources. So, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, does, does a college football commissioner, if that, if someone got appointed that, does that kind of help shape some of this stuff? Again, it's so different now than it was six months ago, much less a year ago, much less three years ago. You know, what's it look like come, let's say next December? You know, because these schools are figuring out new ways all the time to, um, you know, play in the gray. And so we'll see how much it shifts, you know, the entire stretch of 22. But, you know, it it definitely feels like, you know, something's got to change to kind of help level things out in certain ways. Austin, Rick Barnes has never been short on honesty uh, with the media, with his team, with, with anyone. Uh, he raised some eyebrows when after the LSU game, he said something along the lines about John Fulkerson. He needs to either do something or step aside. Uh, and I know that rubs some people the wrong way. He came back and clarified that, you know, if you think that I'm not telling my team things before I talk to you guys, I told him this. I've told the team that. Um, what do you think about that comment? And just overall, you know, Rick Barnes' handle on this group uh, psychologically, wh- where he is with that. And his relationship with, with John Fulkerson. Yeah, I mean, I think they're fine. You know, I mean, does does a twenty four year old like to be called out? No, you know, um, you know, he does not. Um, is he used to it? Is he is he capable of handling it? Absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, if Brent Hubbs called me out, you know, I probably wouldn't like it. You know, but you know that that's my boss, so I'm going to you know put my head down and go to work. You know, same thing with you know. You know, if, if, if Kaharski called out Hutton, I mean, like, you know, he, that's his boss, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 go to work. Um, but, you know, in, in all reality, like it's one of those things where I, I think that, you know, Rick is Rick. Um, you know, how do I put this? He's like my grandmother, you know, like, you know, at, at some point in time, you kind of just become set in your ways and there's no changing them. And so, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much, you know, I think that's how Rick Barnes is. I don't think there's going to be any changing Rick Barnes. I'm not saying he's not capable of adapting to some things, but like with the way he coaches and motivates, I think that's going to, you know, stay the same. Well, Granny Barnes. That's the quote <laughs> Grandma from, Barnes. from Austin yeah. Priceless on Twitter. Uh, Austin, um, he, speaking of NIL, I know, I know. Speaking of NIL, Barnes is a little old school with his approach to that, right? I mean, it, compared to Heupel – you don't hear as much NIL talk with the basketball team. No, you don't. You're you don't. And and Tennessee's recruiting reflects that. Yeah, they've fair got, enough. They've got a five star, a two five stars uh in their freshman class right now, but I only have a, they don't have a single recruit right now for next year in that in that class. So that's something to monitor for sure. Has he said that he's just against it, or is it more like I'll, I'll get who I want and then we're gonna mold them into exactly what we need? I don't think he's really said. I just, you know, you just kind of connect dots with, yeah. you know. It's pretty clear. That, yeah. It just, 
as Withrow just pointed out, they your, don't have anybody committed. Your grandmother doesn't like NIL either. <laughs> I, I, I get, I'm guessing. Well, hey, here, how about this uh, first? I brought up John Fulkerson earlier. If Tennessee wins at Rupp Arena tomorrow, John Fulkerson will be, become the first Tennessee basketball player in history to win four games at Rupp Arena over the course Ooh, of his wow. career. And this ends a, a death stretch for Tennessee at on the road and five to start SEC play at LSU, uh, at, at Alabama, at LSU, and now at Kentucky to open SEC play with their first three road games. A difficult stretch, and it, and it sort of concludes tomorrow with the first part of the, the schedule. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a real chance for Tennessee to go on the road and, and basically do to Kentucky what uh, Alabama and LSU did to them, which is continue to kind of be in their headspace. You know, I mean, Tennessee and Rick Barnes have been in John Calipari and Kentucky's headspace uh, for several years now, much like, you know, LSU and, and Alabama, especially when Alabama plays Tennessee at home at Coleman Coliseum, have kind of been in Tennessee's headspace. And so, um, you know, this is a real chance to go up there and, and, and you know, put something together. At the end of the day, it all boils down to how they shoot. Tennessee defensively, to me, is not going to, because to Kentucky's length, they're not going to be able to just D them up, force, you know, bad shot selection late in the shot clock and and get away with it. Tennessee, to me, has got to make down make shots tomorrow, got to knock down shots. If that happens, then I think that they can go on the road and win. If it doesn't, then I just have a tough time seeing them win on the road at Rupp. So Kentucky's just really long, especially in the middle, and, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with things. But, I mean, this is also a Tennessee basketball team, though, that in years past has peaked, has been playing its best basketball in December and January, and then faded when it got to February and early March. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest reason why I would stress let the season play out. I know Tennessee fans are are real not are, are not really happy with you know just kind of where things are, and I don't blame them. They're not a fun team to watch offensively. They miss too many shots. They miss easy shots. They turn the ball over at times. Um, the wrong guys are shooting the basketball, and not just my opinion, but a lot of people's opinion. And, you know, they've just not been playing really good, cohesive offensive basketball. But better to play that now than play it really good and then start to wither away come February. Let's see if they can get hot here at the right time. It's all about playing your best basketball when you get to tournament time. We hear that every year, and every year Tennessee seems to be that team that plays really well early in the year, January, even maybe in early February, but then it starts to go away a little bit. Shots don't go, you know, falling as much. Maybe they'll fall this time around. Well, they're also 10th in the net ratings right now, the rankings that matter for the selection committee. So the sky is not falling, even with some poor play. Plenty of time, obviously, to to figure it out. Austin, what's uh, construction like with the upgrades to Neyland Stadium? Have you been over there recently, and is anything or everything on, on schedule? I know that's difficult for construction nowadays. Yeah, everything's on schedule, moving along nicely. Um, you know, starting to really make way up there in that north end zone. And uh should be nice to have two jumbotrons uh, at Neyland. You know, it's one thing when you go to Alabama, they got those four in the corners. Yeah. That's really nice. Other stadiums have two. It's about time Tennessee got two. And, and I think the best thing Danny White did is uh, he's going to update the other jumbotron as well. So you're going to have the same um, jumbotron on each side as far as quality. And then, of course, he's bringing back the ball sign as well. Check out all of the info there. Uh, there's some photos of those upgrades uh, that are ongoing in the war room today at VolQuest.com is where you can get that information. Uh, thanks to Austin, as always, Brent, and the entire staff there 
uh, for being uh, great partners with us. Uh, Austin, have a great weekend. Enjoy the NFL football. Kick back, relax, and uh, prepare for the Masters. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. Happy Easter. Follow Austin on Twitter at Austin Priceless. Coming up, we discuss a player. We're each, we're each bringing our own here, and we'll discuss more than one. Uh, but specifically, we'll bring one player who can gain the most in popularity with an NFL playoff run. And for me, there is one obvious name that came to mind for me. Paul and Chad He's have some great one. examples as well. And I think there are some other under-the-radar talented players uh, across the league that are currently playing in the postseason that no one's really been talking about that can break out and become someone that let's for instance say for those that have kids someone that would know Odell Beckham Jr. and even if he's not in the league he's making miraculous catches and, and kids are imitating them uh, in backyard football I, I think there are a couple of players who can get to that doorstep of entering that realm of stardom we'll discuss that next on Outkick 360. Who's going to raise the bar for their own personal popularity contest across the league this weekend and beyond? We'll about to dive into that as Outkick 360 continues across the Outkick network. Shout out to Somo Sports Radio, uh, also Sports Radio 104.7 in the Upper Cumberland, Fox Sports Shoals uh, in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Florence, Alabama and into Huntsville. We say hello to you from everyone here at OutKick. Follow us on Twitter at OutKick360. Guys, I, I think uh, an, an interesting way to look at the postseason is who could rise to the occasion for their teams. And what sparks this is what Brady's working with on offense now and how guys that, you know, like Cyril Grayson, who no one is discussing, people will know about soon after a Bucks playoff run because he will be one of the starting wide receivers and Brady will elevate his overall play. If they do well, Grayson's going to have to do well. Right. Um, but in, in thinking about, okay, who could benefit the most, and we're all going to bring different players to the table here. For, for me, the guy is Debo Samuel with San Francisco. I feel like uh, his story has been undersold throughout the season where he's putting up numbers rushing and yards after the catch that are on par, on par with the best in the league, and he's putting up you know tandem stats with rushing and passing that we're not seeing from any other player. Uh, there are extensions of the run game, for instance, with Tyreek Hill on a flip pass from Patrick Mahomes, but Debo Samuel is actually being used in the backfield in some cases in San Francisco when they went through uh, what was a, an injury spurt there, and Elijah Mitchell's also back. But I, I, no one did more for his team than Samuel. If you start looking through the skill position players, Debo Samuel means an awful lot to the 49ers offense. And if they get on a run, if they get past Dallas, and all of these players I think that we're going to bring, must it requires a couple wins in the postseason. But I think Debo Samuel is on the doorstep of being the next well-known player among kids. Meaning like he's fun to watch. Uh, you're going to want his jersey. And, and some already do, but you're going to want his jersey with Samuel on the back, and you're going to want to imitate him if you're playing backyard football. That's that's how I'm kind of measuring this, is who can really elevate their overall uh, likability and uh, sales factor with a playoff 
with a playoff run. And for me, it's Debo Samuel. I'm going to give you a player, Hutton, that's not going to be loved by the kids, but will be loved by old people everywhere because it'll take them back to a time and place of football of their youth. And that player is A.J. Dillon of the Green Bay Packers. I went with a guy that plays for a team that most people think will at least be there in the Super Bowl. He's got a great chance Mm -hmm. to be there. So one factor that I had was, okay, they need to play multiple games and have a chance to go on a run. Uh, A.J. Dillon is a bigger, bruising back that serves a cold-weather playoff run well. His carries have gone up the last two weeks. Uh, I know they're kind of playing out the string against Detroit this last week, but 14 carries the past two weeks. He had 20 in a game earlier this year against uh, the Rams. He had 21 against the Seahawks. Those are the most carries he's had throughout the season. I think that number stays around there. I think he breaks a couple of big runs in this playoff run, and he becomes a guy that is an emerging star, at least for this playoff run, because he is a throwback-style running back that's going to be playing in some cold-weather games. Give me A.J. Dillon. I uh, I was thinking along the same lines you are, Chad, in a guy <clears throat> that's going to appear a lot, and we're thinking the same team going to the NFC, uh, as at least to the Super Bowl as the NFC reps, if not winning it. Give me Alan Lazard. Um, he has 40 catches, which is well behind Devontae Adams, who keys that whole offense, right? A- Adams had 128 catches, which is, you know, some of these guys with their catch numbers are just ridiculous these days. Lazard only had 40 catches, but his 12.8 yards per reception is the same as Devontae Adams. And I tend to think in the playoffs, you're going to run into some corners who are and some schemes that are going to just target your number one guy and say, we'll lose to you, but not to Devont- not through Devontae Adams. And so we're going to force Aaron Rodgers to beat us with somebody else. And if they win, somebody like uh, Scantling or Lazard is going to have to make some plays. And so I could see a run here for the Packers. If it goes the way I think all three of us think it might, that Lazard's going to have to make some plays. I don't begrudge your choice of Samuel. I think he's excellent. He's a significant notch better than the guys we brought to the table. He's an all-pro today. He's the third wide receiver. He is an emerging star who I think, like you're saying, if they do a couple things here, he's going to be thought of with the other two guys who are are all pro. He's about to be in front of 25 million people watching his game, if not more, 30, 35 plus. You play the Cowboys, uh, you get seen. On on center stage Sunday. So, I mean, he he averages 19 yards per reception. His yards after catch are, I mean, just fantastic. And he has scoring plays of 79, 76, 45, 40 yards. He has eight more rushing touchdowns. Uh, to go along with uh, his receiving touchdowns, he has fourteen hundred yards receiving. I mean, I, I just I think the way they use him is it's a magnetic to watch. The, the All Pro panel puts him puts him behind Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup only Cup only, which is you know that, that's tremendous company to be the next best guy yeah. to those two guys who are very clearly the two best guys. But I think you can rattle off. I think if you just if you pulled the average football fan, how many would say? Would, yeah, how many not, would list Debo Samuel third yeah, they're among not there. wide receivers? They're not there yet, though fantasy probably helps them because oh, the guy's a sure. tremendous no fantasy doubt. scorer. Who else? Like, uh, So I think uh, another example would be Hunter Renfro. He's who, terrific. If you're a college football fan, you know of him through Clemson, but he's really emerged this year with, with Vegas. 
He runs this offense. little route. That, so I'm illustrating it here, but uh, on radio, it's just like this little hook where he backs out of it. It's so fast, and uh, it's just not defendable. Yeah. And, and, you know what I'm talking about? It's just yeah. like this little thing. It's he precise. plants, and he backs out of it, and there's nothing you could do. At the red zone, if you're at the four-yard line and he does this, unless Carr throws a bad ball, it's he a touchdown. He is so reliable. I mean, yes. He knows exactly where he's going to be, and he's going to get there, and he's going to get just he's enough clutch. separation. He's and clutch. He catches everything. You know, yep. I always remember him, too, because we had a birthday party for our old radio show when Clemson was winning the national championship, and he caught the touchdown, right, as time expired? Yes. Yep. And they brought us, a, they were going to bring us a cake. Our old station was going to bring <laughs> us a cake. And they brought us a cake that was like suitable for like six people. We had a big party, right? And we thought, hey, they're going to bring a cake. Well, I'll have cake. And then it was like everybody got like a, 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 a bite of cake. Speaking of a long running bit for our show, can I present you guys a quick fair or foul that just popped I up on Twitter? I love a good sure. fair or foul. Um, Joe Banner, former president of the Eagles, with the, worked with the Browns also. Um, there was a tweet from an account called NFL Philosophy about taking a moment to appreciate the job Rich Bisaccia has done with the Raiders. Joe Banner retweets this and says, interviewed Rich Bisaccia in Cleveland for head coaching job and took a lot of criticism, both inside the building and outside, for wasting everyone's time. I now feel vindicated and am really enjoying his success. I hope he gets a long-term opportunity. Can you take a victory lap for not hiring someone that's having success? Taking like you're really going to say, I, we interviewed a ton of people for the job. He was one of them. And I got a lot and of people criticized for me. And I passed on him like everyone else has until he got his shot. And now he's doing great. And let me take a moment to pat yeah. myself on the back for interviewing the guy when I took criticism and heat from ins inside and outside the building is a very odd thing to say. Yeah. That's very well done by you. I mean, come on. That, to me, is totally foul from Joe Bay. Yeah, it's foul. Yeah, foul. Um, I, may, I think it's fair to list off the qualities that you wanted to interview him for and what you're and seeing say now. And you see them now. But, yeah, he took it but, too far. I mean, GTFO, Joe yeah. Banner. I don't, if and I'm Joe Banner is very thinking, good. Let me enjoy speaking. my yeah, success like, See, now. I didn't waste anyone's time. Yeah, you could, yeah. You could step out of that. Yeah. Hey, Joe, remember when you told me I was wasting your time? Look <laughs> at him now. When Outkick 360 goes international, I don't want the people who didn't hire us to go, you know, I thought about bringing those guys in. I took a lot of heat for that decision. I just want to say right now, I'm really enjoying really enjoying watching hey, GTFO, them. you didn't bring us in. <laughs> didn't somebody say, response to them. Didn't somebody say maybe You're Dylan, not a part of this. Maybe Dylan told us, didn't somebody tell us today that one of the NFL Network guys said that Basaccia can't get that job no matter what? I, I believe it was Schefter that said that. I mean, that's insane. Like, um, he, like, he could win the Super Bowl and he's getting fired. Well, I think... Uh, yeah, that would change it. That, that would but certainly like he could change win, it. But he could go around in the playoffs and he's not holding that job. I, it's hard for me to believe that they don't keep him around based on what he inherited and everything that happened after he inherited the job. And, I mean, everything from the Henry Ruggs uh, automobile crash to uh, losing Darren Waller. I'm I mean... Uh, it's and crazy. everything in between. It's just nuts. And for him to get them into the postseason, um, someone, someone said it's very similar to them, and I, I wish I could give them credit, and everything runs together on Twitter. But the opinion was, by one of these reporters, uh, like a local reporter for, for Vegas, uh, was it's the equivalent to me of uh, Bledsoe going out and Brady stepping in, and they're making the run. Like, we haven't seen the run yet, but they're, they're there 
to in position to make the run, even despite a circumstance that you were not thinking they would even come close well, if, to performing well with. If he loses the job, it's got to be Harbaugh. Like, it's got to be pre-prescribed that it's Harbaugh. I can't imagine they don't. But what's weird about Harbaugh, and I, I tend to agree with that, but what's weird about that is he just hired uh, a new, like a, a defensive line coach uh, that, that took had a decent job and went to Michigan to work for Harbaugh yesterday. So I don't know why you would take a job to work with Harbaugh at Michigan yesterday if you think the dude's going to the well, NFL. Eberflus, I, I mean, weird things happen. Eberflus is in Indianapolis because he thought he's working for Josh McDaniels there. Yeah, and and I mean, but in this day and age, but if you if we re if we if we went back in time, Eberflus doesn't take the job knowing that Josh McDaniels isn't going there, right? If he gets cold feet and stays. I don't. I don't know. It's, maybe it's you an take interesting the job, scenario. Uh, thinking I'm okay working at Michigan or whatever NFL team that Harbaugh's told me I'm. I'm taking you to an NFL job if I get yeah. one. If I, I, mean, go, I, I guess uh, we're here why, or you're with me. Where why I'm, not wait until yeah, he decides where, which, where you know, know where he's going to be? He well, doesn't want to leave wherever he's coming from. Um, I'll also say about going back briefly to the the name the the players that can elevate themselves. You know, I, this can also be a postseason where the national media realizes, and, and the NFL for that matter, realizes that it's Kevin Byard and not Kevin Byard or Keith Byard. Keith, Keith Byard. Um, yeah, um, th- this can also elevate Kevin Byard to the next level. Um, and Paul, you mentioned another player on the Titans defense, Jeffrey Simmons, second no team All Pro. Yeah, and and both very worthy. And that you know. Absolutely, both worthy. This is Bayard second time. So, yep. I mean, if it can't pronounce his name the second time, really it's, it's, it's always crazy to me when uh, I, I will hear a national analyst on a podcast or whatever, and the topic of the Titans will come up, and the one player they can name on defense, they can't get the name right. <laughs> it's weird. They always go they back know to the guy, but they Kevin Bayard is really a solid well, player. Half the time and that's just kind Kevin. of the reference point they go back to. Yeah, I heard the 49ers radio network when I was up in Nebraska listening to the game. It said Keith Byard. Yeah, they're regressing. Well, that was they my. They can't pronounce his last that, name, and now they don't know his first name. Well, if you don't know him just by watching him from the NFC, you, you would think his name is Keith because the NFL tweeted out a photo of Kevin Byard winning Defensive Player of the Month or something in November with the name Keith. I get <laughs> It's ridiculous. His it's own, crazy. his own, his employer. Is doing that. Um, would we put AJ Brown in this category? I I consider. I think he's I mean, just way, yeah, I feel like he's already a star, but, but he really I, has I only had one big season, right? I, I, one and a half, what two? Yeah, I mean, he he's he's had back to back one thousand yard seasons. He was going to become one of about only seven players in NFL history that b- began their careers with three straight 1,000-yard seasons, and uh, the injury stuff derailed that this year. I would put him on the list simply because... So he qualifies. Yeah, if the Titans are going to win a couple games and be there in L.A. for yeah. the Super Bowl, he's going to be a huge part well, of Well, if Samuel qualifies... Right, I mean, he he's going to be a huge qualifies. part. Yeah, and Debo Samuel the same way. Chad, also, I thought... You're of, basically betting on the team more than the player because... For the team to be in position to be a story yeah. in a month, to make it. those two guys would have to be stars. Yeah, AJ Brown and Debo. And Samuel. actually, it's harder for Brown because he got one less game. Yeah, right. Um, Chad, I, I thought of this too. T Higgins. Yeah, that's a good T. one. T Higgins is a good T. Higgins. One. Is a, T. Higgins, I mean, he's, he's a lot like Lazard. Lazard's a lesser version of Higgins. 
I mean, how many times is it just a one-on-one coverage? Here's a jump ball. So you're going to get the a high likelihood of an enormous play. You know, Boyd. A few times to be a you star. You can put Boyd in the mix yes. there, too. I mean, that trio, I almost bet on them. Their numbers are not very high. I still may make this bet. All three of them to be over. I just think that game's going to be a shootout. And I, I, I could see Chase, Boyd, and Higgins all being over their numbers, which are not very high. And um, the, the other one I would say is Cedric Wilson. Uh, number one, the wide receiver in Dallas. Uh, he's going to get a lot of football well, thrown his Gallup's way. Because Gallup's gone. Um, yeah, I, out of Memphis, Tennessee as well. Keep an eye on number one, Cedric Wilson, uh, for Dallas to, to also emerge if they get past San Francisco. Coming up, we uh, preview the weekend. We give our picks, our gut feelings on these NFL games and much more on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. Live from 6th and Peabody. Yeehaw beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and the entire staff making it happen for us. Uh, great work all week by Jakob Swanson, Jonathan Moulton, and the chairman of the board. Staff is growing. David Reed. The staff here with OutKick 360 and OutKick is growing. Couch is full. I mean, you look, you look Taylor, around this room right now. We've got a full studio audience today. It's great. And more coming. I mean, more if you were coming. doing it your is. shrink bit today, you would have to clear the couch. <laughs> I, I need to clear some time, too. I need an hour with each of these guys. To um, really get to the bottom of these issues. Guys, we each selected. We went through a playoff draft and selected our, our top teams uh, in a snake draft of the playoff caliber teams for the NFL uh, postseason. We did this last week. An updated look at that as we go into the wild card weekend. Three teams eliminated, one in each column. And uh, we've got some of our top teams available uh, for uh, elimination or postseason runs here. I've, I've got the Titans, Cardinals, Patriots is my top three selections. Chad has Chiefs, Bucks, Rams, and uh, PK with Green Bay, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. And uh, and the Raiders. I've got a head-to-head. I, I like my top two. I'll, I'll put my top two Paul's, up there. Paul uh, is like guaranteed to eliminate another one this yeah. weekend. Um, I am guaranteed to eliminate at least one with Pittsburgh playing under my uh, uh, final selection. I'm guaranteed I was forced to select. Yeah, I'm guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm guaranteed to eliminate at least one with yeah. Dallas and San Francisco playing. Yeah, uh, I feel I feel good about my choices. Still, yeah. it's all about that top choice. Yeah, you're you're taking the the pick to 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 win it all. Uh, and the top three picks: Titans, Chiefs, uh, Packers, in no particular order. In fact, it was the opposite order. Uh, Packers going number one off the board with Paul's first pick. We should also look back at this um, in terms of how many wins we get at the end of it. Who gets the winner, which is what we were drafting for, but I'm also curious to see who gets the most wins. Yeah, we keep score over here. We yeah, keep score absolutely. on the show. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. It's the point in playing if you don't keep score. A couple things I'm, I'm certain of as we begin the, the postseason. See if you guys agree or disagree. I, I believe, for instance, uh, as we get going, the Titans will be the most physical team in the postseason. Um, and to take them down, you have to match their physical uh, physicality. Um, I believe that Debo Samuel is going to become a star in the postseason. I think that Elijah Mitchell will outrush whatever Dallas is doing in that matchup on Sunday afternoon um, for, for San Francisco. Um, I think we're going to – look, I know Chad thinks it's going to be more of a chalk weekend, but we always see this crazy upset or two – on wild card weekend with road teams doing what the Titans did two years ago and just making a charge as the, the team that nobody was counting on and everyone was counting out, we, we see one or two of those 
going into the divisional I see, weekend. I see all chalk, but I think that the upset threats are the sixes, the Pats and the Niners. I see the entire legacy of Aaron Rodgers on the line over the next month. I think this is win or bust for Aaron Rodgers with the Packers to not get two Super Bowl titles is not good. A great career, no-brainer, Hall of Famer, one of my favorite quarterbacks to ever watch play the game, really needs to win this Super Bowl. Well, and this may be his last chance with this organization in all of the, to do so. And all of the previous stretches that Green Bay has had over a three-year stretch with as many wins as they've racked up, there have been five or six other instances across the, the NFL history where we've seen an organization win at the rate they've been winning, where they're averaging 13 wins a season. Every one of those organizations went to at least one Super Bowl. Didn't necessarily win a Super Bowl, but went and appeared in at least one Super Bowl. So... They've done it in back-to-back years, Green Bay, and now in year three, they are the heavy favorite to make it back and represent uh, the NFC again uh, for the first time in a while. First time since we saw them play in New Orleans for the Super Bowl, right? I don't think the Bucs, uh, I, I don't think this is some huge statement, but but to some it might be, uh, and, and I don't think it's all about Green Bay necessarily. I, I don't think the Bucs have a real chance of winning four You keep betting against Brady, straight. Paul. You go right ahead. You bet against that Tom Brady. Well, keep going. Brady's supporting cast keep going. I thought a this lot a year ago. to do with Brady winning last year, and he doesn't have it. He does not have it. I, I think Tom Brady did just fine with nobodies at receiver over the course of his career. I think he's going to do just fine with Tyler Johnson having to step up and do a Chris Godwin role now. With Antonio Brown gone, he still has Mike Evans. He still has Gronk. I think they're going to be right there in that NFC Championship game again with a chance to beat Green Bay. And again, going back to that Green Bay-Tampa Bay game, I think it's going to happen in the NFC Championship. I, I, Aaron Rodgers has the most to gain and lose in this these playoffs. I don't think with the, a Super Bowl title or not. I don't think the Bucks will be in the NFC Championship game, whether it's in Lambeau or not. Um, One other thing, Hutton, I want to add. He's going to throw it, by the way. He's going to throw it 40 times a game throughout the playoffs. I'll I'll go out on a limb and say this. Cowboys and Rams both proved themselves to be frauds this weekend. Mm. They are huge disappointments. So there goes your chalk. There goes your chalk. I never (laughs) believed. There goes your chalk out the window. I never believed in uh, the Cowboys, but I'm telling you, it's Well, I mean, it, it would be more about how you finished than how you started. The Cowboys started six and one. They've been six and four since. The Rams started seven and one. They're five and four to finish the season. Listen, I enjoy watching the Cowboys lose. I, I gave up my NFL rooting stuff a long time ago, but there's always been a certain level of cowboy contempt. Uh, as a Northeasterner, it just kind of comes in the blood. And I like watching the wheels come off the Cowboys. If the Cowboys lose this weekend, the world will go crazy watch tv watch watch the post game show on fox it's a ratings driver win or lose ratings and television networks win when the cowboys are on and that they'll that, that's why they're going to lead the headlines kevin clark was saying he had you're Dom- right they he had it, dominique their fox- loss will lead the headlines yeah dominique foxworth on um as his guest and they were saying like you could have a, just a cowboys network <laughs> well can you imagine and, and, and it, w- it would be the number one of, thing think of the fox network rooting for a replay of the Ice Bowl if they right. could get a Cowboys-Packers oh, NFC Championship yep. game on a frozen Lambeau field again. that That's what they're rooting for. That would and be that a, will be a heavy huge one. ratings. Yes. Yeah. 
Either way, the NFL is going to crush it, and it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, enjoy the football. We're back on Monday to recap all of Wild Card Weekend, and we'll also be previewing the final game of Wild Card Weekend because we actually get a game on Monday night between the Cardinals and the Rams. You already know Chad's prediction. Just uh, to finalize, chalk, chalk or, or Rams and car, uh, Cards uh, and They're, they're going to prove themselves to be frauds. <laughs> that's, that's your chalk. Put that in chalk. You know what? Put it in Sharpie. <laughs> Have a great weekend and join us on Monday. Enjoy the football. And in the meantime, chime in on Twitter at Outkick360 or find us on the podcast wherever you download your podcast. In the meantime, don't buy all the bread, don't block the box, and do lock the locks.